Where You Go. Episode 9. Yesterday we left Ruth and Naomi waiting at home, trusting that all will be well. Boaz, meanwhile, has picked himself up off the threshing room floor and set off to find his rival for the land owned by Naomi. Oh, and for the affections of Ruth too, of course. Ruth the Moabite. Did we mention that she's not from right here? Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there. Right then, the family protector he had talked about came by. Right then, he came by. Remind you of anything? As it turned out, he was coming by at that particular time. Nothing just happens. Nothing just turns out in this story. I'm assuming you're realising that by now. There is a deeper story being revealed with every twist and turn. And how will Boaz play it? Then Boaz said, Come over here, my friend. Sit down. So the man went over and sat down. Boaz brought ten of the elders of the town together. He said, Sit down here. So they did. Then he spoke to the family protector. He said, Naomi has come back from Moab. She's selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention. I suggest that you buy the land. Buy it while those sitting here and the elders of my people are looking on as witnesses. If you are willing to buy it back, do it. But if you aren't, tell me. Then I'll know. No one has the right to buy it back except you. And I'm next in line. Do you see what he's doing? Cards on the table. Guileless, but clever though. It's a kind of bait-and-switch approach to negotiation. I'll buy it, he said. Did you notice how this other Guardian Redeemer remains nameless? All the clues are in the text, directing us in a certain way. Because we're invested now. We're invested in Boaz and Ruth and Naomi and their lives. And the way Boaz has sold it, it seems like we're not going to get to that happy ending. But wait. Then Boaz said, When you buy the property from Naomi, you must also marry Ruth. She is from Moab and is the dead man's widow. So you must marry her. That's because his property must continue to belong to his family. And there it is. Casual. Just an additional clause in the contract. And, uh, by the way, along with the land, you'll be obliged to marry this other woman, this foreigner, and you'll be obliged to give her children. How does that sound? When the family protector heard that, he said, Then I can't buy the land. If I did, I might put my own property in danger, so you buy it. I can't do it. There are all sorts of reasons why he couldn't go through with it. He probably has his own family already, and taking another wife does not make good business sense. And this Ruth, all he knows about her is that she's from Moab, and that doesn't appeal. Before we continue, though, we need a little more detail of how conveyancing worked in Old Testament Bethlehem. Stay with me. It's actually quite interesting. In earlier times in Israel, there was a certain practice. It was used when family land was bought back and changed owners. The practice made the sale final. One person would take his sandal off and give it to the other. That was how people in Israel showed that a business matter had been settled. So the family protector said to Boaz, Buy it yourself. And he took his sandal off. Can you see it? 
Everyone watching, as in slow motion, he stops to remove his sandal and hold it aloft. And Boaz slowly releasing the breath that he hadn't even noticed he'd been holding. It's worked. His plan worked. He and Ruth are home free. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses. You have seen that I have bought land from Naomi. I have bought all the property that had belonged to Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I've also taken Ruth, who is from Moab, to become my wife. She is Malon's widow. I've decided to marry her so the dead man's name will stay with his property. Now his name won't disappear from his family line or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. It surely doesn't take long for words to get back to Naomi and Ruth as they sit and wait at home. Ruth is to marry Boaz. Naomi's land is secure. There's the prospect of children, of happiness, of a new beginning. And so it can't take long for them to run from the house, through the streets to the town gates, to hear the blessings being shouted out. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. The woman is coming into your home. May the Lord make her like Rachel and Leah. Together they built up the family of Israel. May you be an important person in Ephrathah. May you be famous in Bethlehem. The Lord will give you children through this young woman. May your family be like the family of Perez. He was the son of Tamar had by Judah. Strange ways of congratulating the family, by the way. Rachel and Leah, fair enough, although their family relationships were marked by tension and strife. But Perez, what does he have to do with it? And why bring up that story at such a happy moment? Because the story of Tamar and Judah and the offspring of their sordid union is an uncomfortable one in the history of God's people, a shameful secret in the family tree. Better to say they lived happy ever after. But that's so unsatisfying, isn't it? Because we don't want to leave them on the threshold of this new life. We want to know what happens next. To know how it all turns out. To work out why a domestic story of a widow, a foreigner and a farmer is included in the bigger story. So maybe there's a little more to be revealed tomorrow. Mm-hmm.